one another in just a minute, but good job, a very compliant group. I like this. Yes. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hillside Community Church. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to see you all here. Welcome to all the college students back in session or just about to be back in session. It's great to have all of you and see your faces. Great to have some new people as well, some, some new students that are coming in, and uh, we're just grateful that you've joined us this morning. I also want to welcome everyone who's watching us online on Facebook and YouTube and Give a couple of shout outs. Uh, we've got uh, John and Val Semick who made the trip over the pond to England to visit Peter and Tracy. So John and Val and Peter and Tracy, if you guys are watching, good to see you. Welcome, welcome. I hope you all made it and it's good. And uh, we've also got Jesse overseas as well, Jesse Armstrong, who's in Ukraine right now of all places. And Donovan's going to give us a quick update about that at the end of announcements. So we want to welcome Jesse, if he happens to be watching, and everyone else online as well. A couple of quick announcements before we get going. This is the time of year when things really kind of start gaining traction again for the fall. So there's a lot going on. You can always find everything on the website and the weekly email. So if you're not on that weekly email subscription, please let me know. I'll be happy to get your email address in there for that. Uh, but we do have a women's gathering this Thursday at 6 o'clock. It'll be the last women's gathering of the summer here at the church, out on the front, front yard, 6 o'clock Thursday evening. So gals, please uh, join us for that. Um, we had a great men's gathering last week at Barrels and Bottles. We had about 20 guys, and we've got another one of those coming up on September 8th, actually at Tyson Nath's house. We're going to watch the first game of the NFL season. It's a Thursday night game, so September 8th, guys, so keep that in mind. Um, so women this Thursday, men on September 8th, and then women, also there's another event coming up on October 14th and 15th. It is a Beth Moore simulcast, a live simulcast that they're going to be watching here at the church. And if you are interested in being a part of that, ladies, please RSVP to Robin Mathias. Um, her email address is in the weekly email, or you can come to me and I'll get it. I don't see Robin here today, but you can get that from me as well um, after the service. But yeah, Beth Moore, live simulcast, October 14th and 15th. We need a count by August 26th because it's actually a purchase tickets kind of thing, and we can get a discount if we have a certain number. So RSVP by August 26th. Um, another thing that's coming up that's starting up again with the beginning of school is CCU, Colorado Christian University, has a really cool worship concert series that Malia Flack is actually integrally involved with in terms of organizing it. And their first concert is coming up on August 27th. Uh, just 15 bucks to see Benjamin Hastings. We were actually just playing a couple of Benjamin Hastings songs coincidentally, which is really cool. Probably the one that we sing most here um, is So Will I. Great song, great artist. He'll be at CCU on August 27th, and the tickets are 15 bucks. And then there's these concerts every, there's usually one or two a month usually. And they're amazing opportunities to see really good Christian artists and local worship teams from around the Denver area come to these as well and play. So keep those in mind. We're going to get a schedule on the website for all of that as well. But August 27th is the first one. And then I want to mention life groups. Life groups are getting kind of going again for the fall. So if you are not in a life group and that's something you're interested in being a part of, um, go to the website and click on the uh, life group section and you can fill out a little questionnaire there about what night of the week works for you, what part of town you live in, what you're looking for, all that kind of stuff. So we encourage you to do that. 
And then lastly, I want to just remind you of the Right Now Media uh, video series that we uh, just subscribed to as a church. This is available to everyone here, even if you're just visiting. We'd love to have you connect to this video service. Um, it is called the Netflix of Bible Studies. There's over 20,000 Bible study videos on this site. It's amazing the breadth of content that's available out there for life groups, for discipleship groups. If, if you're on campus and you're going to start, you know, a group on campus of friends to just kind of get together and talk about spiritual things, great source of information. So um, let me know after church if you're interested in that subscription. I can give you the link or again, it's in the weekly email as well. So now I'm going to ask Donovan to come on up and give us a quick update about Jesse Armstrong and his travels. So for those of you who don't know, Jesse is, uh, was one of our missionaries in the Ukraine for the last 10 years. He just came back uh, just last year. And so in the midst of um, this summer, he really felt, you know, before his job kicks up here again, uh, he needed that, just felt that urgency to get over and, and be present with, with these people that he's been uh, engaging in a relationship with for all these years and so we encouraged him if things worked it all did real whirlwind last week he took off and um, so his first day wicked long travel day um, he sent a video I want to start with that and then I have a few other pictures and updates that I want to share with share with you guys So this is after a lot of travel. This is day one in Kiev. Man, it's been a long day so far. Came here, uh, arrived early, got a taxi to Muhammad's place where he's staying, and then sorted food, uh, ate some, some curried rice with canned fish, and then what else did we do? <coughs> and, and then, then took a nap while we watched the movie, movie again, and then I napped through another movie. And then we got, got up and went, went to Bible study. And then I was tired, but it was a great Bible study. We were um, just hearing Ukrainians struggle through the idea of what's happening in their country and the church's response, looking at uh, some of the king's response to um, some of the enemies that came against them. And then Fiasco trying to get to Tonya's place where she gave me keys so I could stay there. Uh, but then the keys didn't work and now I'm here with Muhammad. And, but this is really cool. One of the things Muhammad and I used to do, drink mate together. And so here we are in our little kitchen where this is where Rafi, Pastor Rafi lives. And look up there. That's the picture I gave him a long time ago from Nicaragua. And, but anyway, Muhammad and I are about to have tea together and just enjoy the evening. So, anyway. Slava Bawok, Slava Ukraina. Praise God and God bless Ukraine. Bye-bye. So, uh, so just real quick, he sent this update uh, just now, this morning. Hi, Donovan. Life has been full here. I met with Carrie, Liana. Nazar gave them food. They're very grateful. The people who supported me were able to, there's a, a bunch of folks from our body and his supporters previously that gave, you know, probably close to $1,000 to get supplies and things. The people who supported me who were able to give, carry a tank of gas uh, that, were, that will help him 
and his work as a taxi driver since he lost his job yesterday. Yesterday we were able to visit Vlad. He's going through a tough time. I told him I wanted to bring you a month's worth of food just in case. He said, Jesse, it is the case. He felt forgotten by God. It was so good to encourage him. Mohammed and I encouraged the believers and staff at ICA this morning. That's the school he used to work at. Uh, it was so good for my Ukrainian friends to see a familiar face associated with the love of Christ. I saw another friend, Vlad, who was the center, of the center for the football team I played with. We saw each other from a distance on a crowded street, unplanned or foreseen. We almost ran into each other, or we almost ran to each other. I hugged him and held his face. He says half of our team is fighting, the other half is working to supply them with the things they need. Anyway, uh, he said, I'll shoot some pictures over. Lots of love, please say thank you to Hillside. It seems um, that not a moment is being wasted here. Um, so I wanna show a few, a few pictures. Okay, so this is a bunch, of, a bunch of the food that he picked up, a lot of just canned things, so non-perishables. Next slide. Okay, so this picture here, I'm just lining up what he said. Uh, this is the sports hall, um, and I'm not gonna say the, the name because I'll screw that up. Where the biggest communications antenna of Kiev is, the hit, they hit the tower supports, but most uh, of the missile landed in this gym where I used to compete in, bas in league basketball games. Many adults and children were incinerated on the street between the antenna and the sports hall. Um, so yeah, just more pictures of Kiev and what it looks like. Next. Um, this one, oh, this is part of that sports hall picture as well. Next. Okay, so this picture here, um, under this arch of friendship, there used to be a huge statue of two men, one Russian, one Ukrainian, holding a banner high together in solidarity. Ukrainians have destroyed that statue with, statue with feelings of betrayal by those they thought of as family. And that's his friend, um, Vlad, and I are at the Friendship Arch. Vlad says our help and food is, is coming at a perfect time. Next. Okay, so this is this morning. These are friends at church. Uh, he, yeah, literally just sent this. Um, so he's known most of these people the last 10 years. Okay, next. Oh, and I think we just, this is the last video. Just a little, a little last video. This is from Carrie, Lena, and Nazar. Hi guys, I'm here with Carrie, and uh, we're just hanging out together, and uh, I just wanted to say thank you for the foods that we, you guys were able to bring to them. So, thank you very much. We appreciate you very much. much. Yeah. We believe and we know everything's going to be great. Hi guys, I'm here with Kyrie and uh, we're just hanging out together. Cool story. Um, Jesse was really kind of struggling emotionally with going back to Ukraine. I mean, it's a, it's a scary time to go to Ukraine, but really felt that the Lord was leading him to go back and we really prayed with him about it a few weeks ago. And, Things just fell into place for him, and it was just obvious he was supposed to be there. And we can see that from the pictures and the videos as well. He's such an encourager, and I'm sure it's so good for them to see an encouraging face like that. So let's pray for our time together and pray for Jesse, and then we will move into a time of worship. Please join me. Father God, we just uh, praise you and thank you, Lord, for Jesse and his heart and just the opportunities you've given him around the world 
through the years and all of our missionaries, Lord, all of those people that are stepping out and going overseas and getting out of their comfort zone. And Lord, we just pray for your blessings on each and every one of them. And just ask that you would be with Jesse and his friends, keep them safe in the midst of this uh, very challenging circumstances. I mean, kind of moving around in a war zone is a little, little bit terrifying. So we're just praying for his protection and his well-being, Lord. And help us to be inspired by that, Lord. Uh, we may not go overseas, we may not do some of those things, but we have an opportunity every day to speak into the lives of those around us that you have sovereignly placed in our lives. People in our classes, our, our professors, people in our dorms, people at work, people at school, people in our neighborhood, Lord, just help us to be missionaries, uh, to draw people to you. And Lord, we just want to worship you well this morning. We want to praise you and glorify you. And we just lift up this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Why don't we stand up? Well, we're excited to worship with you today. Uh, we're gonna. I'm excited to receive some good nuggets of truth this morning. And uh, so, as we worship, let's just make that choice. To, to worship the Lord for who he is, to welcome his presence, to welcome his instruction. And let's praise him for who he is. We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging seas, my God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. We sing. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God's still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place, we won't be quiet, shout out your praise.
We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. And now we were the beggars, we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running Celebrate, we are forgiven. Redeemed by His grace, the house of the Lord is There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out Your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout.
relate to this bridge. Sometimes we feel like we're abusing the grace that God has given us. We continually come back on our knees and beg for that forgiveness, beg for another chance. But His grace abounds. His mercy is new every morning, no matter what. So let's just confess this today. Receive the grace that God has given us. I don't want to abuse your grace. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to be your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing ever really makes me want to change. Oh, I don't want to be your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing ever really makes me want to change. Oh, I don't want to be your grace. God, I need it every day. sit at your feet today we hear from you help us to receive whatever that is you want to give us God I thank you that forgiveness is part of that deal so God would you do what you want to do in our hearts 
Bring your truth. Convict where you need. Expose what you need, God, whatever. God, would you bring that healing, that grace, that comfort. God, I thank you for the joy of conviction as opposed to guilt. Thank you that your conviction brings freedom. God, we know we don't deserve it. That's why it's grace. We love you, Lord. Would you have your way in this place today, in our hearts? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you sit down, why don't we greet one another, say hi to a few people, especially those you don't know.
Welcome again to Hillside Community Church. So I thought since Minds was back in session and we're going to have a lot of college students here this morning, the most fitting way to start that off would be to talk about adultery, lust, and divorce. I mean, it's like the best marketing tool I could think of. Let's, let's just hit this out of the park right now. All joking aside. And part of why we will be talking about this is as a church, we want to make sure that we don't jump over things in Scripture. That's why we go exegetically through the Word of God. So when we get to this stuff, and it, it seems rough and hard, I think at the end of this, you're going to really experience a lot of God's grace and forgiveness like what we just sung about. Just the understanding of how God puts us all in the same place. So the thing that we all have in common here today is sin. We all find ourselves wrestling through this sin, and Jesus came because of that sin. So as we talk about this, part of what I want us to do is recognize that we are all in the same boat, we are all struggling in different areas, and we all need the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So today we'll be back in the Sermon on the Mount. And the theme of this is the king teaching about the kingdom. Like, we want to hear Jesus, the one that established what the king, kingdom should look like, come in and actually tell us his side of the story. It's really easy right now for us to hear so many other different sides of the stories. There's a lot of people that would make assumptions about what Jesus might have intended to say, or they try to fill in gaps in a way that suits them, their pleasure, and the way they would want things to be. It's as if we were God, and if we were God, we would have done it this way. So surely God should have done it this way. We're, we're going to see that that's not the case. <laughs> um, and this is going to be a, a testing one, I think, for every single person in this room, whether now or in the future as you struggle through what it looks like. You guys have ever seen that movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Steve Martin and uh, what's his name? John Candy. There's a scene in it that I just thought was really funny. I was coming across it a couple weeks ago, just flipping through the TV, and there it was. And planes, trains, and automobiles are driving down the road, and they're in a car. It's one of those scenes where they're finally kind of getting excited. They're like, all right, we kind of know what we're doing. We know where we're going. This is good. And then all of a sudden, there's some folks on the other side of the road just yelling at them. You're going the wrong direction. You're going the wrong. I mean, it's a husband and the wife, and they're just like, you're going the wrong way. And they kind of looked at each other and like, how do they know where we're going? Like, how, how do they know? You know, and they keep yelling and keep yelling and keep yelling. You're going the wrong direction. And John Candy kind of looks over. Goes, yeah, you guys must be sauced out of your mind right now. Then they realize that they are going the wrong direction on the highway. They come face to face with automobiles, spin around. And you can barely see it in this, but their fingers into the dashboard. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us today in many regards. You're going the wrong direction. You're going the wrong way. And he's yelling at us through the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe not yelling. But just clarifying that we need to start looking at things through his prism, through his perspective. So that we truly could go the right direction as it pertains to us living in the kingdom. So all the other voices we're going to silence today and we're going to listen to Jesus. We're going to look at it very closely to understand what the right direction is really is. We're going to unpack some of the cultural perceptions, some of the accepted concepts in this world, and how they stand in stark contrast to what God is expecting of us. So I think a lot of folks in this world, you've heard me say this before, are led by a doctrine of hedonism, 
We make decisions based out of what brings us pleasure. And so from that, we create these things. Well, I think it ought to look this way because it makes me feel good. And then we create groups of people that agree with that. And then we create whole concepts and ideology around, well, it should just be okay for us to do these things. And Jesus goes, no, you're going the wrong direction. So today's message, we're going to unpack a little bit of the Beatitudes. And I think it's important the Beatitudes are kind of the front book in on this concept that's being expressed by our King. The Sermon on the Mount gives us a clear perspective of what the King wants in and of us. And then we'll dig into the second and the third antithesis in the middle of this. We're going to talk specifically about adultery and divorce. We're going to highlight then at the end how God wants us to practice what He's sharing with us today. So let's pray. Lord God, give us an understanding and a clarity of how this particular section of Scripture is relevant to us today. Help us see how to embrace these truths that will define many other current worldviews and values and issues within our culture. Some of them are issues that are demonic spiritual forces that would hope to dismantle and destroy the original goals of God's creation. So through the power of your Holy Spirit today, Lord, I pray that you would just move in a way that takes all of us one step closer to you and your truth. Amen. Matthew 5, 27 through 32 says this. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. And throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Whew. Matthew 5, 31 and 32. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, makes her a victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery already. So as we dig into this, part of what I want to give to you is some context. I want us, as we look through the second and third antithesis, understand what Jesus' words are. You have heard it said, but I want to tell you. So there's been this, this journey right now of culture and tradition that have created out of his word some expectations. Jesus is now coming in and saying, okay, you guys have taken this stuff and you've misconstrued the heart and the intent of where it needs to be. And he does that in such a way that he just wants you to understand that he is the word, he was in the throne room, and so now he is coming and he's extrapolating for us what the intent, the heart, truly was around this area. Have you guys ever been in a situation where someone's given you instructions and you've just totally screwed it up? Like you get done and they come back and they're like, that's not what I told you to do. <laughs> Happens to me anytime I do any kind of construction stuff or anytime I bring something home from Ikea. I'm like, mm, I, don't, I don't know where these things belong. But there's instructions. And again, I'm going the wrong direction. So Donovan and I were up hunting one time and this is not anyone in this church, so I'm not pointing fingers at anyone that exists here, but we were up with a new guy. And we we're giving him instructions on a weapon, right? 
And our instructions were red means dead. For us, that was very clear. Like when you take your safety off on your, on your rifle, you push it up and it shows red, right? And for us, we're like, okay, if it's in the red position, anything downrange is going to get shot. In his mind, he thought red meant that the gun was dead. So we're up, we're sighting in our rifles, and we're just kind of doing our business, and we're walking around, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, wabooosh! Rifle, 30 out six. We're all around it, shoots into the ground, and he comes up and he says, I thought red means dead. And we were like, it does. And you almost killed us all. And it was one of those moments of just realizing that sometimes we might take something that we believe, put it into a place where it is not true. And that's part of what I want us to understand today. Some of the context. Jesus wants us to look at the inside. He wants us to understand that what has happened has a group of people has created a religion. They were starting to establish structure, tradition, based upon how they thought the instructions were intended. But Jesus is coming and saying, actually, here's what it means. Red means dead, is that the, the, when the gun, yeah, here's what it means. And that's what I love about what Jesus is doing for us. He's not going to leave us in this position where we have to continue to try to guess. There is no guessing. He says in Matthew 23, you only do things for people to see. So this is still in the book of Matthew. He's talking straight to the Pharisees. He's saying you're taking all of these things and you're doing them only for what can be seen. And he's like, no, no, I'm really concerned with what's going on on the inside of you. Matthew 23, again, it says you're like whitewashed tombs looking good on the outside, but inside you're filthy and filled with the dead. See, folks were creating a standard or a presumption of a standard that was achievable. Like, you could look at this and say, I've not committed adultery. I could look at this right now and say, I've not committed adultery because I've not slept with another woman in the 26 years that I've been married. So I've not committed adultery. I'm good to go. But yet my heart on the inside might have moments of impurity. And that's where Jesus wants us to dig today. He wants us to look at the intent and the heart issue of what truly drives us. Because we might look good on the outside, but on the inside, we might be struggling with lies, lust, damaged thought, and damaged behavior. So what he wants us to do is examine the motivation of the heart. Some clarifying verses. This also comes out of the Sermon on the Mount. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your own brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that is in yours. So a lot of what I want us to see is we have the tendency in the church to point fingers. Look at how bad they are, or look at that sin over there. In the context of this, Jesus wants you right now to not look at anyone else in this room but yourself. So we can look around, we can compare, and that's not at all what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to take this message he wants us to examine where we are at without looking at any other areas in and around us so that we can see what kind of plank might be in our eye so that we can then deal with, hopefully in the future, helping others to be edified and restored in their relationships with God. See, it says in Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with with darkness. 
And so this, this concept is, is where, where are you looking? What are the things that are attractive to you? What, are, what is alluring to you? And, and it comes by the things that you look at. And I think we can all attest to that. Where, where our heart is, that's what starts to feed who we are, the decisions, the values, and the belief systems that really make up the person that we are. So there's some identifiers in here. What do you look at? I mean, fortunately, now on your iPhone or your Android, you can look at it. It'll tell you exactly what you look at for how many stinking minutes, right? So we understand that if we were to say we look at Jesus or we look at God and he's the apple of our eye and that's the thing that drives us, but yet we spend only an hour a week really doing it and spend all this other time doing other things, then maybe that's not the light. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, you would be devoted to one and despise the other. See, in this, we've got to understand that adultery is something that is detestable in the eye of God. So much of our efforts do tend to look at the things that are in this world because they can be attractive. They can be things that are basically an illusion or kind of a, a representation of God, what, what God wants it to be, but it's been used and distorted by the enemy and by this culture to move us into places where we're in an adulterous kind of mindset. So adultery in here, the main part of this focus is our relationship with God. He wants us to examine through these different areas, through these illustrations in our life in general, the opportunities that we have to choose God. They are, in essence, rehearsals, practices playing out our heavenly relationship. See, adultery, lust, and divorce are things that are now indicators as to what our relationship truly is with our God. Our work, our families, our fears, all the things that confront us on a daily basis, our jobs, our school, I know you're feeling stressed, like, who are, what's my teacher going to be like? Issues with your boss are all rehearsals and opportunities to choose God. And even as I know many of you in this room are struggling, I mean, marriage is tough. Relationships are difficult. And you're being thrown, everything's being thrown at you right now to look at everything other than God. Know that these are opportunities to choose, to choose Him. All right, we haven't even dug in yet. Adultery. So most areas define adultery um, in the area of sexual sins. But in scripture, you can see that it's not just sexual. You can have an adulterous heart if you're committing yourself spiritually to something else. Spiritual adultery against God is engaging in an activity that puts anything, anyone, above your relationship with him. Idolatry in scripture is compared to prostitution. Following false gods in our hearts and mind are in turn seen as an action of adultery against God. So as we start to unpack this, just as men and women in relationships, and we struggle with adulterous thoughts or lustful thoughts, these are also microcosms of us being able to figure out how do we do that on a broader plane with our heavenly God. So we're going to fail on all of these levels, but fortunately today we have a choice 
We have repentance, we have forgiveness, and we have the opportunity through this to learn what it looks like to reestablish those relationships, to be healthy, to move through grace. So we talk about the Beatitudes, the first one in there it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know why? Because they will be the ones that inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a blessing that comes from you sitting here today going, yep, struggle with this stuff. This is difficult stuff. It also says those who are meek will inherit the earth. So there's an obedience that comes too through the understanding of this. So the Beatitudes, that front bookshelf, gives us this joy of understanding that Jesus is saying, you can't do it without me. Adultery. Old Testament look at adultery. It's pretty clear. It's pretty simple. Exodus 20, 14. This is the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery. There's no qualifying things in and around it. Don't do it. Moses comes down, tablets. Here you go. Stop. Don't. Leviticus starts to play it out even more. And it starts to show the importance of it. Back in the day, 20, 10 says, And the man that commits adultery with another man's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall be put to death. Now you might look at that and say, well, that's, that's crazy. But when you look at the spiritual context of this, if you're going to be in an adulterous relationship with God, you're going to possibly suffer death. So if you're going to be in a position where you never accept your Lord and Savior as, as, as your Lord and Savior, and you're going to continue to be in an adulterous relationship with your creator, that in essence is already putting you into a death sentence. So you can see that these, this ritual of marriage that God is giving us, this opportunity to be married, does mirror also what it looks like in a relationship with him. The consequences were clear. And we want to take away now how Jesus is going to redefine this. There's an example in John 8, the Gospel of John, and there's a woman who's caught in adultery. Still not sure where the man was. Like, how do you just catch the woman in adultery? Really, in the situation, they should have been bringing them both out because there was an adultery situation that occurs. So these Pharisees know that Jesus has taught on this. He's, they're bringing this woman to him, and they go, adultery, what does the law say? <clears throat> and he's, he knows the law. He knows what they want, and they're starting to pick up stones because they want to stone her. Jesus kneels down and starts writing in the, in, the, in the ground. I don't know what he wrote. Nobody knows what he wrote. He might have been writing to the very first person that was picking up a stone exactly what his sins were, exactly the ways that he had committed adultery in his heart against his spouse. We don't know. But he did it again. And as he does this, he says, those who are without sin cast the first stone. And he just basically throws it out there. So you, who are without sin, cast the first stone. There's not one person in this room that would be worthy to pick up a stone and throw it. And then, I don't care how great you are, what good things you do in the church, there's not one person here worthy. And it's interesting, when you read John 8, what ends up happening is the older dudes start leaving first. Why do you think that is? Well, I'm, I'm only 52, so I'm going to consider myself an older dude than some of you. When you reach 52, you realize a lot more of your sin you realize a lot more of your need for God's grace. You start to see this world in a different complex than, than maybe I did when I was 25 or 30 or even 40. You start to recognize I'm not all that I think I was and my need for my God is even more important to me at 52 than it was when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior when I was young. So I think the older dudes were like, yeah, okay, I'm out of here. 
like, I can't do that because you start processing all the things that you've done that puts you in a position of being sinful. And they walked away. And Jesus says to her, and this is important too, he says, where are they? They've all started to leave. He says, no one is left here to condemn you. No one, sir, she says. So he says, neither do I condemn you. But he says, now go and leave your life of sin. And this is important because it wasn't like Jesus was condoning what she had done. He was forgiving her, not condemning her because why did Jesus come? To save, not to condemn. But where did he leave her? Stop doing it. Now go and leave your life of sin. So in our church right now, it's, it's pretty common for some churches, not this one, to say, oh, yeah, just keep on sinning. We, we want to read God's scripture and move ourselves to places of repentance where we say no and we change and we move towards purity and holiness. Lust. Lust is an interesting one. Anyone who looks at another lustfully Lust is desire, it's craving, it's enthusiasm, it's an eagerness around something that you don't have or believe that you now want. So lust is this thing that puts us in this position of really seeing the grass is greener on the other side, especially in relationships. And that can be true for men and for women. This particular section talks about sexually. If you lust after a woman sexually, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. That doesn't let the gals off the hook, though. If you look at another man lustfully, like desiresome, looking at them and say, I just wish my husband would be more like so-and-so. And you lust for that. You desire that in your relationship. And then you put them in a position where you're comparing them to other people. That is a lustful approach. When you start to look at other things and aspire to other things, then your relationship that's exactly what we're doing in our relationship with our God, the Father. It is not greener on the other side. So the lie in this is the grass is greener where you water it, where you feed it, where you tend to it, where you care for it. Not my backyard right now. My backyard is an absolute mess, and it is embarrassing. And the reason is is because I've just not taken the time this year. Usually I'm pretty good steward with my lawn, with my garden. But it just is not a pretty sight this year, which is a reflection probably of just my life in general, being overwhelmed. I've put other things over that priority. And there's a guy in the corner, and his lawn looks amazing. And the same is true of what Jesus wants us to look at in our relationships with each other. Emotional, sexual, lustful intentions that are inappropriately craving something that we don't have. It's a focus upon areas that are unhealthy. So the battle in adultery is really resting in the area of sex and emotion. It's resting in a place where we're taking what God has given to us. 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says this, Honor your God with your bodies. Honor Him, because this is not your own any longer. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Flee from sexual immorality. All other, all other sins in a person, that a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. 
Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So this is an, this is an interesting thing. And so we tend to, in this conversation about sexuality, focus on some very specific things in the church. We would like to point fingers at gays and lesbians. We would like to say, look at how wrong they are. But what I said at the beginning is, what are we not going to do? We're going to look at ourselves, right? So do you know that in divorce right now, 68% of all divorces, there is a relationship that has been found online. I don't know if it's Facebook, I don't know if it's Instagram, but statistically speaking, 68% of all divorces were from some kind of relational aspect that was established online. I used to think that pornography was something that only affected men in the church. I've recently discovered that 15% of Christian women look at pornography on a monthly basis. 64% of men, Christian men, look at pornography on a monthly basis. Right now, if you're 20 years old, statistically 75% of all 20-year-olds have already had premarital sex. If you're in your 40s, statistically speaking, 95%. So what we're looking at is if we're going to be honest about that, let's look at the things that we're struggling with. Premarital sex, pornography, lusts of things that are being fed into our world, we have this in the palm of our hand every moment of every day. It is more accessible now than it's ever been. And do you think that the enemy is not just loving this? Loving it. Anything he can do to distract you and move you away with lustful desires outside of what God had intended your relationships to be like. So, when we like to point fingers at other people, let's make sure we're looking at the, the, the thing in our eye because we all struggle with it, right? Every person in this room has, will, or in some way struggle with lust and therefore put them in a position to be considered an adulterer in the eyes of God. Yee. Thank God for his grace, right? I mean, thank God for his grace to be in a position where we can find that forgiveness. So what's the remedy? we got to remove it. I'm not going to suggest that we start gouging out eyes. We're not going to have a hand-cutting-off session after church. <laughs> Bring them up. If you've ever had this problem, because I think if that were the case, the intent here was he just wants us to understand the true importance of what we're dealing with. And the importance for you today is I want you to really look in and around what you're creating. It could be as simple as you're on Pinterest and you're starting to compare yourself to all these other things, and you're finding lustful thoughts in the ways that your house is set up next to the house, and you're starting to blame your spouse. Why can't we be more like? Maybe you're on Instagram and you start looking at motorcycles a little too much. What's the next tweak I can do on my motorcycle? And it starts turning into lustful thoughts, and I start to parade these ideas and these lustful thoughts through my brain that are really should be occupied by thoughts of my God. It's really easy for us to do it. And then, let's start getting serious. What are some things that you're doing right now that is moving you into a place of spiritual lust against your God? And what are some things you're doing right now that's moving you into 
lust in your relationships with the people that you love. So you might not even be married here today. <clears throat> Doesn't mean that you're exempt from this. If you're single here today, you're establishing your future. You're laying the foundation for the way this is going to look. And Jesus does not like adultery. But he wants us to understand. Dig into your heart. Stop looking at the surface. Figure out how to remove these things from our lives. It says if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. If you've got something in your world right now that you know is causing you to stumble, hit it. Get rid of it. There was a season when I went through my, my apartment when I was younger, and I just I recognized I had a lot of not good music. And that, that was my purge. I was realizing that this was something that was creating a stumbling block, a hurdle, an obstacle for me. And it was causing sin in my world. If you are someone that struggles on your phone, don't take it to bed. Don't take it into the bathroom. Leave it somewhere else. Maybe create a hub in your house where all your phones go at 10 o'clock at night. Set the example for your children of what it looks like to not be in bed just face to face with this thing. It's hard. I love going to bed with Candy Crush. I mean, it, it just, it literally, it comes up and it says, relax your mind with Candy Crush. And I get that, but if that's now leading me into, well, I'm going to go look here, or I'm going to go look here. That's what Jesus is talking about. We cannot be people that are ignorant to what the ramifications are of lustful thoughts in our relationships. Remove it. And in divorce, this is a serious one too. This is a union that we take not just between ourselves, but with our God. Deuteronomy 24.1 says, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. So this is unique. Because it started first like you're not supposed to get divorced. But we can see also now in Matthew 19 that Moses started to allow this to occur because the people's hearts were just so hard. He was like, fine, fine. We're going we're gonna to go down this, this road for a little bit. But it wasn't because that was God's intent. What Jesus is taking us back to is the original intent of what marriage is supposed to look like. Matthew 19 says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female. That's important right now. God made male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are, they are no longer two, but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let nobody separate. So in this union before God, um, he's saying there's only one way out. And this was tough. We sat in our elders meeting this week and we, we really started going down this road of like, well, what if? And it was really interesting because we were frustrated with the Pharisees who started creating all these what ifs and made this religious tradition that controlled people, that allowed people to move in such a way. And then five minutes later, we were talking about, well, what about this? And so we had a pretty quick list, really fast around some possible areas where divorce would be acceptable. And we talked about, like, what about abuse? What about sexual abuse? And so the list, it, it grew quickly. And what I realized in that moment, that's not what the intent of this is. He doesn't want to start, have us start looking for excuses out. He wants us to focus on how to stay and remain faithful and build and grow and be healthy 
and fight through the difficult. The focus is obviously not to be divorced, but to invest, to learn and study the practices that will help us build healthiness. If you've been married as long as I do, my, my wife is a saint. She is sitting in the next room, I think. It's tough. There's no easy part. It's a battle that you have to fight on a regular basis, to be honest, to put things before you. And if we lived our marriage in an area where we were looking for excuses, so you look back at this verse, and it talks about, where is it? In Deuteronomy 20, 24, it says, if someone, if your spouse has become displeasing to you, <laughs> seriously? I mean, I'm probably displeasing to my wife on a daily basis. I mean, there's areas that she probably looks at me and she's like, Oh. And if that was the excuse out of this, and thought, there's times too where we probably look at God. We were talking about it just a second ago, where we look at God and we are like, I'm displeased with you right now, God. We're in a season right now where Scripture talks about the end times. Every day we live, we're closer to the end times. And in the end times, things are going to get messy. People are going to leave the faith. They're going to leave relationships. They're going to walk away from this. They're going to find themselves in an adulterous relationship. They're going to lust after things that are not of God. I want us as a congregation to have heavenly eyes. I want us to recognize that He has set the standards. He is the King and He's giving us examples of what this should look like. And also, too, there was a season where I as a pastor used to think, well, if you've been divorced, you're disqualified for ministry. And I, as I read this, that's not the case. Because if I read this correctly, if I've ever lusted after a woman in my life, I'm an adulterer. And a divorced person is an adulterer. So do you see the similarities there? So I myself, in the same eyes, looking at the heart, as a pastor standing before you, am I disqualified from ministry? Well, we all would be, right? The heart here is, let's move towards repentance and salvation. The heart here is, let's look and examine ourselves today, not the people that are around us, but let's just be honest. Every day we struggle. And praise God for the Beatitudes. Praise God that He is a God of grace that has come and truly forgiven us of our sins and established us where we can sing these songs and just be thankful for the forgiveness that He's given us. Amen? I mean, that's, that's a crazy thought right, right there. That didn't really hit me until just this couple weeks where I was walking through it. I mean, God's just saying, I'm serious about sin. I'm serious about adultery. Don't do it, but find ways to remove it from you. So the other side of the bookend is this. This is Matthew 7, 24. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise person who builds his house on the rock. So the key to this is we've got to practice this stuff. It's not good enough for us to hear it. The rock is not Jesus in this example. The rock is hearing these words today. And if you sit here and you're struggling with pornography, if you sit here and you're struggling with lust, if you're in a relationship right now where you're emotionally drawn to someone other than your spouse, your practice today is to remove yourself from that, to find ways to maneuver around it so that's no longer an obstacle, so you can be whole. 
You can be pure. You can practice these things and establish your house on the rock. So some of the things, and hopefully you'll come up with others, but these are things we can practice today. Remove any hurdle. Seek purity. Like literally seek purity. <laughs> like you're getting on your phone or you're getting on your computer, have that be the mindset. Not just how am I gonna forget about my tough day and wander into the YouTube world and watch 15 videos and waste an hour. Not that I've ever done that. Pursue holiness. Establish boundaries. So boundaries and accountability go together. So find a way that if you need someone around you to help you, go and sit down and talk to them and say, hey man, this is where I'm struggling. Or find someone that is in a marriage that you want to just talk to them about, I'm struggling with this. How, how can you help me to set appropriate boundaries and hold me accountable just by knowing that someone's going to ask you the question, like how are you doing in this area? Find those boundaries and find that accountability and strive towards a healthy marriage. Even if you're not married today, the things that you're doing, the ways that you're establishing your relationships, even as you're dating and as you're single, are going to propel you into your, into your marriage. So make sure you're clear. Find ways to be pure in your relationships. If you're dating right now, be pure. Save yourself for marriage. It's what God says. If you have been struggling and you're in a relationship, stop. I mean, reestablish it. I've done marriages for folks who have been um, dating and they move in together. And I said, the only way I'm doing this is if you move apart and you stop having sex. And they're like, really? Yes. Because I really want your wedding night to look like it's supposed to look. It's not like I'm going to disqualify that. And I want the opportunity in these marriages to move them and reveal truth. And it's a struggle for me. But I want people to understand what God's expectations are. I want us to focus on the good and not just the bad in our relationships. So when, when we start finding ourselves in disconnect in relationships, especially in marriage, you're going to find that probably the weight is probably more on the side of your disconnects, more on the side of your frustrations. Battle to make sure that even as you're looking at things that are frustrating about the person that you love and that you're married to, find the good things too, right? Tell it to them. Honor them. Celebrate them. Rejoice in those things instead of just all the things you wish they would be doing. I think that's good. So as we move through this, uh, this was, we went, I wasn't sure where I was going to go in a couple areas. Um, but I want us as a congregation just to be honest. That honest about what we're struggling with, honest about what's going on in our world. This is not a place where we're going to bash sinners because <laughs> it would just be a long line out the door. I'd be first. But we come here because we want to be a place filled with God's grace. We also want to be a place that pursues repentance. So once you know what's right, once you know what's just, once you know what's fair, you can compare it to God's word. And we as a congregation can move in a way where we're not beating down people, but lifting them up. Where we're encouraging each other in this area of, of relationships and lust and divorce and marriage to be as healthy, as pure, and as honest as possible as we move. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for just putting this in here. 
I think it's important for us to struggle well to also see that you are a God of grace. Uh, that for those of us who really embrace this, that understand our depravity, that understand truly what it looks like to be poor in spirit, to realize we got nothing. To rejoice in that place of your mercy on a daily basis, but also strive in our lives to make course corrections that when on a day like today we might be realizing that you're hollering down to us saying you're going the wrong direction, we would pull over, we would turn around, and we would start going in the places that you would want of us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's just sit here for a minute before we uh, continue. Let's just think about these things that we've heard and, and uh, pursuing holiness and establishing boundaries. And can we just go to the Lord individually and, and, and ask these questions? I surrender 
Find your way inside my heart Reveal the things that I hold on to And free me now Sing that, Jesus, I surrender Jesus, Jesus, I surrender Come find your way inside my heart. I release all I hold on to. And I release all I hold on to. And free me now. Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, Jesus, I surrender. Come have your way inside my heart. I release. I release all I hold on to. Free me now.
song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand or fall on you Jesus you're my hope teach me so teach my song to rise to you you. 
say that we'll follow you. And not just with our actions and our words, but God, help us to meditate on you, your goodness, to focus on the good. God, you are good. 
God, forgive us for taking our eyes off of you, focusing our attention elsewhere. something a little teary sorry but I was just reminded that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance and I just felt like as we started worshiping again God reminded me of this picture he gave me a long long time ago and honestly I don't remember what was going on in my world at the time but I just remember feeling stuck I remember feeling trapped um, probably by sin or doubt or I don't know what it was but I just remember being like in this tower um, and I kept hitting my head up against the wall. I think I've shared this in church many years ago, but it was like, I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. I just kept hitting my head against the wall and I've never been to Greece. Um, sweet Esther um, spent a lot of her life there, but all I've seen is pictures or movies. And I just remember um, the Lord opening these like shutters or windows and I looked out and it was, you know, he is our gate. He is the narrow path. But I opened those, he opened those windows and all I saw was just this beautiful crystal blue waters. The sky so blue, the sun shining so brightly. And I just remember that feeling of freedom. That's what the Lord has for us when, you know, we are trapped in our sin and we um, don't think he can forgive us. We don't think that, you know, if we ask again, we can find our way out. But the Lord wants to open those doors and the view and the freedom and the joy and the, that. I mean, it wasn't a place of like, oh, now I can do whatever I want. But it was like this freedom to be in the grace and the love of the Lord that just was um, so so overwhelming, so beautiful. And that is the grace of our God, the love of our God. So I just um, just encourage you to just press into that a little bit and see what he has for you. Um, and when we find that place, even if it's just for a minute, and maybe it'll keep building and we'll, we'll get to that place of true freedom, that we can then rejoice, we can celebrate, we can... Um, praise our God for the grace that he has so given us. It's free to us, but cost him so much. Why don't we stand? If you're not standing already, let's celebrate that freedom together. As we sing this, just ask the Lord to, to press into you, to just ingrain that truth in your heart, that we have freedom in him. So let's sing this together.
sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in And death was arrested my life Ash was redeemed, only beauty
God, thank you so much for the freedom that you've given us. God, help us not to take that for granted. Help us to walk in that grace and that truth as we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Have a great week.